Good evening, sports fans. My name is Cameron Sweeney, and welcome to the inaugural night of the Steel Cats Sportscast. Tonight, I am joined by Peyton Carlisle, Nicholas Krupe, Jake Luzak, and Hunter Pate. I'm going to leave it off with Mr. Peyton and Hunter, getting us into soccer. What's up? What's up, buddy? Um, we're going to talk a little, a little soccer, some Premier League, some U.S. men's national team. Um, over the last uh, summer, they had a pretty successful summer. Uh, beating uh, Mexico in the Gold Cup final, and then Mexico again in the CONCACAF Nations League final, which was really sweet. Um, they stuttered a little bit, um, a little bit in World Cup qualifying, um, but they really picked themselves up here uh, on Wednesday against Honduras. They started that first half really sloppy. Um, Greg went with a 5-2-3. I, I, was, I was a little hesitant on it. I, was, I first told Hunter I was – kind of excited they were running the 5-2-3, but there, were, there really was no help in the midfield. Um, a lot of space opened up in the midfield, and they, uh, they, the, the connection in the midfield really wasn't um, what we needed uh, to make plays in the final third. Um, and uh, Greg switched it up, brought in Miles Robinson, um, Brandon Aronson, and Sebastian Legette in the second half, went to the 4-3-3. Um, Pulisic played really well until he got injured. Um, I, I don't know why Greg kind of made the decision to, to bring him back out there. Um, and instead of just subbing him off right away, I just thought it may have been smarter just to keep him off. Um, but, um, they, they look good. They're two points back of, uh, Mexico. So, um, good. I mean, during the break, they played, they played well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's promising. It's promising for sure, especially with where the program was four years ago. Um, you know, I was sitting there, I was like, wow, you know, this is our national team. Um, but Greg, I think Greg's done a really good job. He's taken a lot of heat. And uh, I think he responded really well on Wednesday, uh, that second half. Um, I'm going to leave it off to Hunter, and uh, we're just going to talk some Premier League, uh, Premier League stuff. All right, Hunter. I would also, got, I'd buddy? also like to add on to that. As much as the men's national team, you know, they won the game. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't convincing. But at the same time that Mr. Payton was saying that the men's – or the USA switched up tactics at halftime, so did Honduras. I didn't really like that tactic from their coach because you're up one one now at halftime and you're going to be the one making substitutions and changing formation. That's not the smartest thing to do with a coach when your team's dominating the first half. But we can go to the Premier League now. Um, we have a lot of big matches this weekend. To decide that, um, we obviously have the return Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo back baby. Man U. Hey man, don't forget Norwich at nineteen and Arsenal at twenty are playing this weekend. I am looking Huge forward to that. There. I am looking forward to that biggest Hopefully. matchup of the season, right there. That I especially after who Arsenal had to play in the first, you know, three games. Uh, Hunter made the comment to me earlier about how, you know, Brentford really, you know, in those newly promoted teams, they come in and they come in, you know, they start hot and. Uh, Kind of caught me by surprise. I'm not gonna lie. I really thought we were gonna win, but um, to Hunter's point, it was, it kind of shocked me. Um, and then you go, you lose five zero at Man City, and what was it? I think it was like three nothing to Chelsea, uh, or two nothing to Chelsea. Um, so not a good start. And I really want to see where the uh, the program goes with Arteta. I really hope 
you know, maybe he can, maybe they can, maybe get rid of him. To be honest, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too fond of him. Um, but you know, we'll see, we'll see how he, uh, how he does with these next two games. Um, they got Norwich and then Burnley, I believe. I, I don't know about you or Hunter, but um, my kind of two cents on the whole Arsenal thing right now is like losing to Brentford and um, who else did you say they lost to? But like losing to Chelsea that. and losing to Chelsea and Man City, like they're two powerhouses in the Premier League. Like I right. understand that like Arsenal is trying to build a brand up back again because obviously they were once a dominant team, but like those da- those games are just tough. Like. Heartbreak Hotel, like right. whatever. Those are going to be top four teams. And right. So, yeah. We also have Leicester Man City this weekend. Both teams are starting off hot for the most part. Oh, for sure. Man City, we expected that. They haven't really released anybody or traded anybody. And what other games do we have? Leeds Liverpool, that could be interesting, depending on how Virgil van Dijk is you know coming back from an injury? Yeah, and Leeds um, has been. I mean, Leeds played really well last year too. They did. They've signed yeah. Dan James from Manu. A lot of pace going down the wings. Um, Hunter's crying on the inside because of that. Too. <laughs> I, I don't get me wrong. I love Dan James. He might not be the best finisher, but he works. I mean, I understand you lost your favorite player, so like I would like if Chelsea got rid of Pulisic, I'd be crying on the inside too. I kind of did the same thing when we got rid of Adam Hazard, but it is what it is. Look how that's turned out. Injury after injury. Right. It kind of turned out to be a benefit for us. Well, I mean, he's also, you know, not kept his fitness up. That's he's, it's on him for the most part. I get that he's had injuries and everything, but you've got to keep your fitness up. Right. Um... All right, so I'm going to cycle us into college football here. First thing I want to start off with was the FSU-Notre Dame game. First of all, what a game. We saw the return of Mackenzie Milton there. That is a miracle case right there. You know, doctor said that was wouldn't awesome. walk yeah. again without pain, let alone play football, and that was a fantastic start for him, even though FSU did not win the game. That was a fantastic game, fantastic start for him. Uh, guys, what do you have to say about that? And I would I, go ahead. I have Dick. a couple I have a couple things that like I that I uh that I really noticed in the game. Um Jordan dude, let it be known that we have two Florida State fans and a Florida fan in here. So it's like we butt heads a lot, but it's like it's conversational butting heads. But th- anyway, that's besides the point. The things that I wanted to touch on with the Florida State thing mainly was Norvell's situational awareness. Um, I thought was horrible. Um, not a lot of showing from the wide receivers. We didn't get to see a lot of that because Jordan Travis played like he was dancing the whole time. He played fucking horrible. Yeah. In the first half. Yeah. Um, the transfers that we got, love them. Stood out. Absolutely. Um, was it Jermaine? Is it Jermaine Johnson? Yeah. Jermaine Johnson. That that, that guy is a monster. Wicked play. Jarvis Brownlee Jr. played really well, and I was kind of upset that we didn't get to see DJ Williams, the running back from Auburn that we got. But um, the transfers were awesome. And then the Mackenzie Milton, Jordan Travis thing, 
I mean, Payne and I agree that Mackenzie Milne should be starting going forward because Jordan Travis just – he looked like he I, – I mean, I don't know about you, Payton, but he looked like he was trying to force way too much. Yeah, he did. The the O-line just kind of – Notre Dame's D-line was, was – looked so menacing that game. And, um, you know, I, I told you I was like – I felt like it was the first time in four or five years that I feel like that team was somewhat almost on the same page. Uh, you know, they were – they were you saw flashes of, of – maybe what we could be as the season progresses. Um, and no, I mean, Notre Dame, dude, Notre Dame's a good football team. And for us to go yeah. in there and, you know, for us to put up a, like a good, a good fight, taking the OT. And I really think in a game that I really think we should have won, um, but it is what it is. And you move on to Jacksonville state. So right. Be, like the, be fun. the Norville situational awareness was horrible. Like the going for it, on like fourth and eight from our own 30 instead of punting it when our defense was playing, you know, pretty well. I don't get that. I did not get the challenge at all. You have Fitzgerald who is a freshman kicker on a Sunday night game, which by the way, had the most views for a Sunday night college football game in, in the history of viewership on ESPN. Yeah, I saw that. It's crazy. And you basically, ice him as his head coach by challenging that, making him go sit on the bench for like two extra minutes while, you know, a pointless challenge happened. And honestly, like, it, I don't think it would have made a difference. Like, if he's got to kick a 50-yard, he's got to kick a 50-yard, you know what I mean? Right. But at the end of the day, he still should have made that 30-whatever, 30, 30-yard, 30 whatever it was. But – I just feel like Norvell's situational awareness could definitely improve as a head coach. Um, I don't know if you had anything else you want to touch on about Norvell. No, not yet. I feel like I need to see more like you do too. I mean, he's been here for a year and he had some guys that weren't really his guys either. You know what I mean? Whether they be Willie's guys or, you know, I think the, the era of Jimbo's guys are, I think that's done. Right. I mean, was yeah, Jimbo's guys are all, yeah. all kind of gone at this point, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, I think we're good. If you want to move, I think let's uh, let's kind of switch over to the, to the pros. Well, actually, just for a minute, if I can yeah, interject sure. on, yeah. on being an impartial college football fan, yes. watching the game <laughs> from an outside third-party standpoint, not having a specific team that I root for, but enjoying college football nonetheless, I feel like watching that game – Definitely over the years, I've seen some terrible Florida State teams. Yeah, no and they, shit. They, they haven't been great since probably 16, maybe 17, 20, if you want to throw some games in there. 2016, when we won the Orange Bowl against Michigan, was our last good year. That was yeah. really the last time that you guys were sort of on the map in terms of being a threat in college football. Chef cool. So the, so the fact that you came out with the recruits you have and the team that you've built, with Norvell coming into his next season, I feel like that's definitely shown improvement, even though you didn't win the game. Oh, and no, I think 110%. when it comes down to this game, you went up against a number nine ranked Notre Dame team in your first game of the season with a f- decently fresh head coach going up against a head coach that quite possibly is the best head coach in Notre Dame football history. So He's the, fact, the fact that you guys went out there and lost by three in overtime shows me that you greatly improved in the offseason and on the field. 
But I think the real issue com- comes down to coaching. I think you were out coached because of Norvell's decision. And I think throughout the season, you will see him improve along with these players that you've brought in. I also disagree with starting Travis. I think he looked pretty shaky when he was in the game due to some offensive line issues. I think Mackenzie Melton's coming in with the chip off his shoulder, coming in off of that huge injury, a la Alex Smith type injury. And I think he has something to prove. So if you throw him in here, I think you guys could definitely go on a run and you could make some noise this season especially building off the momentum of this game, even though it wasn't a win for you guys. Right. Right. And I don't know about you or Hunter, but, like, when I watched Mackenzie Milton play in that game, even though he only threw the ball, like, five, six times, it looked like the ball was coming out so much quicker out of the pocket. It looked like he wasn't just sitting back there trying to let stuff develop that wasn't going to be there. He was taking what the defense gave him, and we moved down the field. And that's definitely something that you've seen different quarterbacks such as Rodgers, even Mahomes and many times. Obviously, Brady's the best at it. You don't always have to push the ball down the field. You don't always have to make those big splash plays. But if you can take what the defense gives you and you can chip away at defenses, it lowers their confidence. It boosts your confidence while moving you down the field. And I think that'll create a more productive offense. So moving forward, I would like to see more of Mackenzie Milton see what he can do, and hopefully he stays healthy so that you guys are able to produce and you could have a really great season and build off of that for the future. Right. Speaking of Tom Brady, Tom Brady and the Bucks beat the Cowboys 31-29 in the week one matchup on Thursday last night. Um, I didn't really watch a lot of the game. All I know is that the fucking Bucks defense got me negative three points in fantasy. So, um, <laughs> Rock played well, I'll tell you that. Um, uh, I'll just yeah. throw it to you guys because I know you guys watch the game. Yeah. You know who played really well, actually? Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah, First he did. time I've actually seen him. That's what I heard. Good. I heard he had like four catches for like 108 yards or something ridiculous. He like finished that. with five receptions for. Don't even get me yards. started on Antonio Brown. Trust me. Please. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know, the good. I feel betrayed here. Cameron, <laughs> go go cry in the corner about losing Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. It was bound to happen. Hey man, they don't call a six bird for nothing, Jake. Come on, bro. <laughs> when was the last time you won a Super Bowl? <laughs> That's not the point. Yeah, we got six of them. Was it Were you even alive when they won any of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah actually, he was actually alive in 05 and in 08, so he, he was there. Oh. More, more, more than I can say for our sad old Jags, but hopefully that'll turn around soon. Speaking, anyway. of, speaking of the sad right, we were, we were talking about the Bucks and the Cowboys. <clears throat> right. Uh, both teams looked really good. Um, I, I, in my opinion, I thought the Cowboys honestly should have won that game. Uh, Greg Zerline kind of kind of helped the Bucks out. Probably the MVP for the Bucks that night. Um, to be honest, I, I was I was pretty disappointed. Uh, was telling Nick, I was like, I really would like to see the Bucks lose. Um, you guys, know why? <laughs> um, but you know, that's it's whatever. They move on. You know, let's talk about the the pass interference call. Right. Was it? see everyone's opinion. Was I. It? I watched the – it was when uh, God – I think it was Godwin, right? Godwin, and, yeah. I watched the play because, like, of course it's circulating on social media because everyone and their mothers is losing their damn mind about right. it. But, like, 
the only angle that they had on it was horrible, in my opinion. Yeah, the one from behind. I I mean, they're just letting them play. It looked like there was hand fighting on both sides and a bit of a flop by whoever the DB from Dallas was. But like, it could have you could have flipped a coin. It could have gone either way, in my opinion. I agree. Um, Godwin really. He didn't completely extend the arm, and then the DB had a slight bit of a grip on Godwin's jersey, and then he kind of lost momentum in a way. So I think it's a good no call by the rest. And then going back to Peyton's point, I feel that this call wouldn't have even been circulating the internet or been an issue if Zerline would have been an NFL kicker, kicker. ready on week oh my one. Bro, his nickname is Greg the Leg. Like, come on. If you got a I know. nickname like that, you got to make everything you look the, at. The craziest thing was like, the craziest thing is, like, Mike McCarthy had the guts. I mean, this is guts, too. Like, after Greg missed an extra point and a field goal from, like, like 30 yards out, they're like, oh, I'm going to – let's try him from 60. <laughs> like, what? the ball's at, like, the 50-yard line. 62 like, an NFL record? They tried him from 60. I, I believe – I believe Matt Prater on Denver. It was. It was uh, in a Denver. Line. It was a 64-yarder. Is the record? So it wouldn't have been a record, but the fact that right. he was kicking from the logo in a right. tight game in a season opener, especially when that, he missed the previous two. You know, what I mean, I mean like, Mike McCarthy's got to have some stones to make that kick, especially after his kicker has been having a pretty piss poor performance mm-hmm. throughout the night so far. Not to mention, it's probably freaking just marinating in his mind. I mean, obviously, they're professional athletes and they move on. But, like, you're a kicker. You kick and then you sit on the bench. So, it's probably marinating in his mind that he missed two kicks previously. Exactly. You only got so much time on stage. You want to do well on stage. If you don't do well, that's going to stick with you at least a little bit. Right. Yeah, especially when they're not out there that often. Because typically, I mean, if you're a quarterback, offensive lineman, DB – you're out there most plays, and, you know, you can shake off a play by having a great play the next time exactly. you're, you're out. You're shaking it off. You're making up the ground that you lose there. Whereas if you're a kicker, you might not get an opportunity for 20, 30, you know, real minutes. So the fact that he has to sit there and think about that definitely doesn't help. But he definitely didn't do Dallas any favors last night, and I think no. Dallas ultimately should have won that game. Because when you look right. at the stats, there were almost 800 yards of passing seven or eight passing touchdowns between the two quarterbacks. Can we talk about how I have never been a huge Dak fan, but the way that he's come back off of that ankle injury and the way he looked last night, I think he is poised to have a fantastic season with the Cowboys. They do need to get the run game going, though. Zeke looked very lackluster. Looks like he was still a little lacking from last season by not having Dak, and I think he really needs to work on his production. I agree. Pollard looked and, really good. And having Zach Martin out on the COVID list this week, that was also a big thing. That could have played a factor in the run game, but their offensive line is still a top 10 offensive line in the league. Dude, so it's he, should have, he should have no problem in the league. Now, I do think, looking at offensive lines in the league, I believe the Browns have the best offensive line in the league. On paper. Oh, that pains me. As, as, of, as of right now, I think the Browns have the best O-line. But the Cowboys should still have all, if not most, of their pieces intact. Just because you're missing Zach Martin doesn't mean Tyron Smith isn't your left tackle. Which, right. he had a couple penalties, by the way. I think he's aging. He's regressing. 
they're going to have to address that issue at some point, but Zeke definitely needs to rebound from last season and last week's yesterday's game and definitely needs to come back and have a big game next week. Speaking of rebounds, in other NFL news, can we please talk about Jamar Chase and his drops? Like, how idiotic do you feel if you're the Bengals? Right. Obviously, it's preseason. It's preseason. I'll give him that benefit of the doubt. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt on his stupid-ass excuse about how it's hard to see the ball and the ball's different size. Dude, shut the hell up. You played at LSU. That's you won you a national right. championship. You're a high-level athlete. Don't give me that bullshit. You had six drops over the preseason, four in the last two. And I'm—I mean, I'm no—I'm no Bengals fan, but Joe Burrow's, you know, a decent quarterback. He hits you in the hands, but like, like, come on, like, if you're—I mean, if y'all are Bengals fans, what are y'all thinking right now? I mean, obviously it's preseason, but I want to know your thoughts on that. And right. especially adding on to that, with them having that college connection much like we've seen talk about with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne having that Clemson connection, you would assume coming into practice, they're going to go right into it, stride for stride, have no issues. So it seems like I feel, I don't know if it's a rookie mentality thing. He's getting too high on himself. You know, his ego's getting too big because he was drafted high coming out of LSU, going to the Bengals. But I think he needs to get his mental side in check so that he's able to perform better on the field. Because I think right now he's standing in his own way of success early on. And I'm sure he'll work on that as a rookie. But for right now, I don't like what I'm seeing from Jamar Chase. And he needs to produce more by actually catching the football, which is his primary job, of course, as a wide receiver. Right. Because, like, as soon as he's got the ball in his hands, obviously we know he's an explosive athlete. Like, he makes stuff happen. But – you got to, you know, check option A off the list first. You know what I mean? And personally, we shouldn't even be having this conversation because Panay Sewell should have been the pick at number five for the Bengals. Who is also having a bad preseason from what I've heard, but it's also Lions fans, and they also blow things way out of proportion. And being a rookie offensive lineman, is difficult aside from Tristan Wirfs last year in Tampa. We know he had a fantastic all pro type season as a rookie, but the fact that he's this generational talent coming in, I wouldn't stress too much being on a very poor lions team. They're in the middle of their rebuild. I think what they need to do is they just need to let him experience more plays as the season goes on. He will build up some confidence He'll let up a couple sacks. He'll miss some blocks that he shouldn't. But whenever a rookie comes into the league, they're going to have issues like that. That's how it goes. Nobody's perfect. Even Tom Brady makes mistakes in his 20-plus right. season. So the fact that he's having some issues in the preseason does not surprise me, especially with all the restrictions and issues going on in our world and the league today. I feel like we're going to see a lot of these rookies progress, and by week 8, 9, 10 – we're going to see a lot of their games elevated, and that's going to make for more exciting football down the road. Exactly. That's just – it's part of the game, too. You know, you come in, you got to figure out what kind of game you want to play, and you want to – you really want to figure out early on what not to do. Everyone has, exactly. that, everyone has those growing pains that you have to work through because nothing's perfect. You learn best by screwing it up first and learning what not to do. 
and you move forward past that, yeah. and that's what makes it great. If you're, if you're perfect all the time, you never know what's wrong. If you mess up, you learn from that mistake, you move forward, and now you tell yourself, okay, here's a green check mark. I did this right. Here's a red X. Here's what not to do. Exactly. Make sure not to do it again and learn from it. And the big thing with these rookies and even two, three, four years into the league, if you've made mistakes or seen others make mistakes and you don't learn from it, that's when you're going to start having issues and your play is going to decline. If you exactly. learn from it and grow as a person and as a player, you will be able to succeed in this league and have longevity. Precisely. Nobody's coming into their game the rookie year being, you know, just like Johnny Unitas right out the gate, you know. Uh, Nobody is perfect. Nobody's mm. coming out like that. There are, there are exceptions to that. There are people that come out their rookie year and are just absolutely fantastic. But, you know, for the most part, there are those growing pains. Like Nick said, you got to grow into your game. you got to figure out what you really want to do. Now, devil's advocate on that, biggest example of coming hot right out the gate, Justin Jefferson last year for the Minnesota Vikings. 1,400 yards receiving. Like, are, are, we, that, is that a, exactly. are if, we kidding quarter, if, if quarterback wasn't so highly coveted in the NFL and Herbert didn't break rookie records, Justin Jefferson would have been by and far the rookie of the year, at least on offense, 100% without a doubt. He had a fantastic season, and I definitely think he's going to build on that. I don't think he's going to have any issues. But then again – it's very difficult to sustain success. So I really hope that he comes out and performs again because he is a fun player to watch. I was going to say, I'm excited to see what he does in year two. If Kirk Cousins can get on the ball. <laughs> yeah, they, they got some some struggles up there in Minnesota, but we've also got struggles down here in the 904 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, ETN's done, unfortunately. Um, I know we, our O-line struggles still continuing. Um, I, I want to hear from Hunter and Nick on like other, other topics that you guys probably see. I want to hear from a different perspective because, you know, obviously I don't see the things that you guys see. So, well, first, when you bring up the offensive line. The first game we played, we only had three of our starters in there. So I wouldn't take that with, you know, too much emphasis on that game. And then our next two games, we had three offensive linemen out each game as well. All starters. So by not having Brandon Linder in, A.J. Can is right guard. The only real person who was on our line who – sustained any playing time in the preseason was Jawan Taylor, a right tackle. And he didn't look bad. I feel like he looked decent, you know, the entire preseason playing against whoever he was going up against in those three games, whether it was the Browns, the Cowboys, whoever he went up against, whether it was backups or not, you want to go out there and you want to perform. So I feel like as the season progresses for the Jags, they're going to start gaining confidence because they know that they have their prize back there in Trevor Lawrence with our bruising running back, James Robinson, and they want to protect those guys. They don't care if you have been in the league for 20 years or you have never started a game in the NFL. Those guys all want to go out there starting five offensive linemen, and they want to protect our guys. So I'd look for the Jags to be a sneaky top 15 offensive line when the season's done. Just because, one, 
who they're playing for, which is themselves, the team, the fans, but also just the poise and accuracy and the decision-making of Trevor Lawrence getting the ball out of his hands will allow the offensive line to make less mistakes because he's getting the ball out quicker, which allows for less mistakes on the back end. So I think we're going to have a pretty solid season, and I am excited to see where we go. I also want to say, I mean, most coaches aren't going to come in preseason and expand the playbook. They want to keep things simple as possible. That way players can learn. You're wanting your rookies just to – get a taste of the speed and it's hard for a lot of players to come in and match up against veterans because it's other than a select few like we were talking about earlier it's you have your learning curves you have everything so you don't want to go out there and just throw them in the fire um trevor lawrence did well against the cowboys in the final preseason game I think he went, what, 11 for 12 for 140, 139? I think it was like 11 for 12, 129, two TDs. And that's an, that's another topic of discussion that has really bothered me over the last week or so because everyone's getting so high on Trey Lance and Justin Fields, other rookies who were drafted a little bit behind Trevor, who were on better teams on paper, but – the. In the preseason, these quarterbacks who are young are still playing against second string, third string, even some fourth string guys. Everyone's ooh and ah about Trey Lance's big throws, Justin Fields' mobility and his throwing. But everyone shits on Trevor when it comes to his fantastic performance against the Cowboys. But he was also playing against the backups for Dallas. So why are all the other quarterbacks getting so much love for their great play when they were playing the same level of competition, if not worse than what Trevor played? And that's what bothers me because I think people are just hating to hate Jacksonville Jaguars. because we're a small market Yep. and he's not, we're not in New York. We're not yep. in LA. We're not in San Francisco. We're not in Chicago, even green Bay, even now Tampa being a bigger market. So I feel like we have to push past that. Just stick to the game plan, play ball, go out there, show what you can do, and put yourself on the map by playing on the field and not let the media dictate where we stand as a team. Because at the end of the day, every week when we run out of the tunnel, that's going to be who dictates who we are as a team. I'd like to talk about one thing before we switch topics. Um, The Ravens and their injury problems. R.I.P. to the Ravens. They're having some issues, man. Good Lose tell you those two, those two players in back-to-back plays in a practice. I don't understand why you're going that hard in practice. Uh, it's, they're going to have to start going half pads or something because they're not. Yeah, what what I shells saw for too, days, baby. What I saw too was like, you know. What they did to recover though was pretty was pretty impressive. I mean, they brought on Devontae, Latavius, and um, Le'Veon Bell. Sorry, Cameron. Um, but you know, to the Ravens, um, <laughs> to the Ravens. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was pretty impressive. I'm kind of excited to see how they use those three guys. Um, I know 
be all three of them are on the I think two of those three are on the practice squad right now, but like you look at the you look around, so like they're the obviously gonna get pulled up. Oh yeah. Um, don't don't so, worry, they'll all be on the active roster. Um, so it's it's kind of exciting to see, you know, how, how that happens and, and how that's gonna work with the Ravens. Well the good news for them is they don't play until Monday night. So those players can learn the playbook better. They can right. get more reps in and practice more. And the good news about a lot of those guys is they've been in the league. They've been on a couple teams now. So they might be able to really hop in this offense quicker than if they're a younger guy and be able to learn the playbook and get in there because the Ravens run a very run heavy offense behind Lamar. Especially Jackson. with Lamar. Who I could mean, they possibly have, they have, have a... a solid O-line. Mark Andrews is a great tight end. Lamar can throw the ball, but their offense is definitely based around the run game. So they're going to need those guys to really step up, even though they're not their main starters, so that they can try and have some success this season. My hot take for this season, Lamar throws 4,000 yards, runs for six, 700, maybe. Um, That's bold. I think that is a a bold. I think no. I think he has to evolve as a passer. It's going to be have to. It's. I think that's the way. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. Well, yeah, because like I mean, look at Mariota and Cam Newton. Like, you can only do the dual threat thing in the NFL for so long. Like, people watch. Like, going from college to NFL, the film study is ridiculously different. Like, ridiculously different. So. You know, like you can do the dual threat thing for the first year, but once people figure out your tendencies, like, good luck. Like, you better you better change something. Like and if you, said, you can't if you can't develop as a passer, then you're going to be out of this league quicker than you got in because. Right. I mean, look at Mariota. That's He's... how the league is, especially with an extra game this season, <clears throat> playing 17. That's going to be a big, big factor in overall stats by players. I mean, we could see Mahomes throw for easily over 5,000 yards this season. Meanwhile, we could see Lamar in his run-heavy offense only throw for about 3,200, but he might rush for 1,200, and everyone's going to be ooh and on over him when this league is turning into a pass-happy league, and Lamar's either going to develop or he's going to fizzle out like all the other guys you've mentioned. Yeah, like Mariota's been passed around the league like a, a tri-delta chick at a frat house. <laughs> like, I mean, he's played for what, like three, four teams now? Yeah. Not that I want to cycle away from the Ravens or anything. I, actually, I kind of do. I, I don't like talking <laughs> about Ravens. <laughs> but I, I did want to get into our – you know, fantasy picks. Now we're not starting with Jake's. We're already we already know he's down on his D line points already. So we're probably going to start. How about, how about you start off, Nick? What what would be your fantasy picks for this year, starting off the season? Well, personally, my fourth round pick, quarterback. I went bold. I went bold this year, and I decided to take one of those dual thread guys that I think is really going to develop, who has a lot of help on defense with evolving players. And a lot of weapons on offense. And I'm talking about Kyler Murray, my starting quarterback in fantasy. I know that division's tough. And I know it's going to be a long season. But with the additions of A.J. Green, J.J. Watt, a fortified offensive line, obviously DeAndre Hopkins, 
Chase Edmonds could be a stud in the backfield. And then you add Isaiah Simmons continuing to grow second year out of Clemson. I really think that that team could be a sleeper team in the NFC West. And you could see Kyler Murray put up close to MVP numbers, at least be a top 10 quarterback for sure. So that's my go-to pick. I think he's going to have a really big breakout season. All right. I mean, I don't think Kyler's definitely a solid pick. Um, you know, I always, I always gotta go with my boy CMC. He looks like he's coming back. Hopefully, hopefully he can, um, you know, be 20, was it 2017 CMC? I'm, I'm hoping. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what, what he can do there. He, he's looking, um, he's looking like he's going to be like that. So, so I'm super, super excited for that. Um, but let's go into probably one of my favorite, my favorite, uh, segments, it will be a segment on our podcast, and that's weekly pickums. So I'm just going to go down the line of games here, boys. Um, and we've got the Jets at the Panthers. Week one, Zach Wilson on Sam Darnold's old team. Is it Panthers weird that I knew four. that this was going to be the first game that we were going to talk about? It is uh, on the lineup. Uh, it is, yeah, it is on the lineup. Um, so what do you guys? Who you guys got? Um. Let me – you know what? I'm going to go bold here. I don't even – I'm not going to say anything. Gonna... I'm not going to say anything if you say Jets. It's okay. <laughs> I'm riding high on the Panthers' defense. Don't get me wrong. I think, we're I think the Panthers' defense is going to win them a lot of games. Oh. I would take the Jets against the spread, which is their four-point dog. But I would probably, in the end, give the give that. I'd probably pick the Panthers in the end. All right, all right, Nick. Who you got now for me? For me, this is an easy pick. Jets went two and fourteen last season. You have a rookie quarterback. You have a growing offensive line, a shaky run game. You have some new receivers. Defense is lackluster at best. A lot of moving pieces there, especially with a new head coach and Robert Sala. I think the Panthers have a really underrated defense with Brian Burns on the edge, and you have decent corners in the back, especially with J.C. Horn. CMC back full and healthy with a debuting Sam Darnold in a revenge game, of course, against the New York Jets. I'm taking Panthers, and I'm taking the spread on the Panthers as well. I think I'm going to go Panthers by a field goal. Hopefully Sam Darnold doesn't say any more ghosts back in New York. That's right. Um, That's right. Like everybody's picked up on, defense of Carolina is just so good. And hopefully Christian McCaffrey can have a good comeback season coming off that I'm, brutal injury last year. I'm hopeful. And uh, J.C. Horn's looking Jalen Ramsey-esque, so I'm excited about that. All right, cough, cough, comeback player of the year, Christian McCaffrey. <clears throat> if it's anything like Madden, so. he will be. Um, I hope so. Uh, next game, uh, we got the Jags at the Texans. All right, boys. Who you got? Jags are favored by a field goal. Um, I just want to say that. Tyrod Taylor playing quarterback. Texans are probably – they're probably going to be the worst team, if not the second worst team in the NFL this year. They're just in, in shambles. They don't have any draft picks. They have – they lost a lot of their receivers. Will Fuller's gone. Brandon Cooks is gone. I don't know if Kiki Kuti is still there. Um, I think he 
Jets. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. taking I'm taking the Jags and the spread there. Nick, <laughs> we got. For me, this is another easy pick. I know Jags are coming in with a first-year head coach, that questionable offensive line, but we still have big old James Robinson, over 1,000 rushing yards last season in the backfield. Trevor is a star. He's poised. He knows the playbook. He knows what he has to get done. The Texans are going to be carried by their defense because they still have some starters. Although they're aging, there's still veteran players out there with Whitney Merciless leading the charge. Their offensive line is not great aside from Larry Tunsil. Tyrod Taylor, we're not sure how he's going to be in this system. And running back, I think David Johnson must be 40 years old at this point because I don't even know how he's still playing. I'm taking, wonder. I'm, I'm taking the Jags. I'm taking the spread on them too. I'd say it'll be like a 27-20 kind of game. It'll be closer than you think because the Texans are projected to be absolutely terrible. But it is a lot of first game in the NFL ever for our coach and quarterback. But I'm still taking the Jags and the spread in this one. I just want to say, it's my first topic on this discussion. I'm looking at the ticket prices for the Texans uh, and Jags matchup. The lowest price right now is $17, which is horrendous for an NFL game. Um, I'm going to go yeah, it's terrible. Jags by a touchdown and a field goal. Right. If they can stop the run, they've had problems yeah, with Texans. the run game the past couple of years. They might have Texans might have an aging running back, but I mean they also right. They also I was like looking, I was like going through the Texans page today, and I didn't even realize they have Rex Burkhead, Mark Ingram, and Philip Lindsay. So I was like, all right, like okay, like now you know, maybe maybe now can... to come back on that a little bit in the preseason. With the new additions, Roy Robertson-Harris, Jihad Ward, some big guys up front, even Malcolm Brown from the Saints, we've beefed up our D-line, and the Jags only allowed an average of 60 yards with zero touchdowns per preseason game this year. I think we could have a really revamped run defense. The issue is going to be the secondary. So if Tyrod Taylor can't beat us in the receiving game, I think we're going to have a solid weekend against the Texans. Right. They I also agree. have Trey Herndon and Tyson Campbell out. Well, Tyson Campbell's questionable. Yeah. So those are two corners that are out. Possibly. I did. I heard Urban talk today in a press conference. He said Tyson Campbell's going to be good to go. All right. Solid. Well, I'm going to go Jags by 10-2. I agree with Hunter. Um, all right. Next next game's uh, Packers and Saints. This one, obviously, in Jacksonville because of Hurricane Ida. Uh, Green Bay favored by three and a half. Jake, we'll start with you. <laughs> Obviously. Um, this one's easy for me. I'm going Green Bay by the spread plus more. They're just too good. For me, it's also an easy one. I'm going with Packers. I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people think, especially being a neutral site game here in Jacksonville. But I can never bet against Aaron Rodgers, especially when he's pissed the entire offseason. Last time that happened, last season – he came back and had an MVP season. Aaron Jones coming back. Devontae Adams is an absolute stud, top three wide receiver in the league. They made some additions on defense, so hopefully Kevin King isn't getting burnt the whole time. Saints, we're not sure how Jameis is going to play. We're not sure how Alvis R is going to come out because they're going to be very reliant on him because Drew Brees won't be back there anymore. So if the passing threat isn't as scary in New Orleans as it has been, 
with Breeze. I think a lot of people are going to stop the run, especially Green Bay is going to really stack the box against them. I'm going Green Bay with the Preds. I think I'm going to go Green Bay by six. Only sad part about this is the GOAT will collapse on injured reserve. Um, But I also think Jameis Winston is going to have a decent game. He yeah. is, he's he's a veteran for the most part. Um, he didn't look bad from what I've seen from him in the Saints playbook. He still has the weapons. And like I said, he's a veteran. But I think ultimately Aaron Rodgers is still going to pull something out. Yeah, go pet go. Um, we're <laughs> we're going to – okay, this one's going to be an absolute dumpster fest. Uh, it's the Eagles at the Falcons in Atlanta. I mean, I feel like we – I mean, I'm going to go – I don't they brought Sirianni in. I mean, I, I, it's just first year, first game. I, I still want to go Falcons just because they're more established. Um, didn't Dan Quinn's on Dallas now, isn't he? Who's the Falcons coach? I have no idea. They hired no. the Titans offensive coordinator because they're hoping yeah. to rejuvenate was, Matt Ryan. Was it like Arthur? Same Smith? way he did Ryan. Oh Hansen. yeah, you're right. It was Arthur Smith. Yeah. Yep. Um, Still yeah, doesn't I, matter. Give me the Falcons by the fucking spread because the yeah, Eagles are trash. Yeah, it's three and a half. Uh, it's three and a half there. I'll go yeah. Falcons too. You hear me, Sadly. Philadelphia fans out there? You're fucking garbage. <laughs> J- Jalen Hurts go. is iffy, especially with a first year head coach. Not sure what's going to go on there. Kyle Pitts is going to come out. He's going to be a beast. Could break the record for receiving yards in a season by a tight end. I believe it is 1,039 set a couple years ago. So I think he's going to come out and be an absolute monster. Falcons seem more established, a little shaky on defense. But once again, it's a dumpster fire. I'm taking the Falcons. Right. I'm going to go Falcons by – yep, I'll take the spread. All right, uh, I'll take Falcons like y'all were talking, exclusively. Like you were discussing be... earlier, Kyle Pitts. I think he can very easily break the record. He's such a versatile weapon. If he can get his run game or run blocking to the level as, let's say, George Kittle or not even at George Kittle's level, but close to it, I think he'll mature into be a very well tight end. All right, next game, uh, Steelers-Bills. Steelers at uh, Buffalo. Um, Buffalo favored by six and a half. The Bills. What the Bills? Give me the Bills by the spread. They're probably going to win the AFC this year. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say Bills. I'll, I'll jump through that table for them. Um, uh, and yeah, I'll go with the spread. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take Bills easy here, especially being in home season opener. They have everyone back they did last season. Josh Allen is an absolute star with Stephon Diggs. I really think the Steelers are going to have issues with that offensive line, losing three starters out of their five. Najee Harris can only carry them so far as long as their defense holds up. I think Ben's aging too much. I'm taking the Bills and the spread. Yeah, quite honestly, the Bills are looking like they've got a real good team. Uh, Personally, I'm hoping for more of a miracle here. The Steelers really have to look at their O-line and – Take a step back. Ben's getting older. If he's going to continue to be any sort of force in the game, he's got to step back, become more of something like a pocket passer. He can't be as rough on, his, you know, on on himself as he usually is, because we all know his history with injury and you know being put out of the season. 
and that just screws up the entire team. But I'm um, hoping for a miracle here. Kind of optimistic, but the Bills have a very good chance of just taking this one home. So that's going to be the last point we make for the evening. I did want to wrap this up. Uh, any other points that you guys wanted to make before we close this off? Um, no. I think that's about all I have to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. All right. All right. Well, I think that was a pretty good first night. I appreciate anybody who chose to stop by and listen. We'll be doing this again same time next week. Uh, that's all I got for you. All right, guys.